Welcome to Academically Speaking. This podcast is designed to provide our listeners with an opportunity to engage with subjects and topics related to student academic success. How we think and what we do is important to how we become citizens of this country and of the world. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Theodora Regina Berry, and you are in Academically Speaking. And in our continued series on celebrating faculty, we have with us Dr. Danielle Edens. Dr. Edens is the Assistant Director of Interdisciplinary Studies in UCF's College of Undergraduate Studies. She joined the college in fall of 2019 as the lead faculty for the Integrative General Studies Program and has taught in higher education since 2005. She holds a PhD in interdisciplinary education with a focus on criminology, special education, and mass communications from the University of South Florida. I would say boo, but that would be impolite. (laughs) Her other graduate work includes two master's degrees, one in educational technology from Northern Arizona University and one in special education from the University of South Florida. She holds a bachelor's in mass communications from the University of South Florida. After working in public schools, As a special education teacher, she served as a professor of special education and the coordinator of a dual major, special and elementary education, at Northern Arizona University, and in a similar role at St. Petersburg College. Dr. Edens is a national speaker, published author, and currently researches changing paradigms within education and beyond. UCF selected Dr. Edens in the uh, 2022-23 University Level Excellence and Professional Award recipient. Welcome, Dr. Edens. Thank you. And congratulations on your award. We are tremendously proud of you. Um, And as we start our our conversation, I would like to know just a little bit more about your professional background and some of the things that you've done. And I'm curious about the ways in which some of the areas that you've studied sort of fit together. And so first and foremost, you have two master's degrees in two areas that people might not think go together quite well. So let's talk about uh, that combination. Sure. Well, I think that's one of the beautiful things about having an interdisciplinary background is that you can have different uh, areas of foci and bring them together in a way that works for you. So the degree that I got in educational technology was more recent. Um, I actually got that in the last uh, five years or so. And that has really helped me more in what I do as an educator and being able to really focus on meeting the needs of everyone in my classroom, including anybody who might have disabilities. There's a huge focus in educational technology on making everything accessible and universally designed. And so I would say that's the major link between special education and educational technology. And I would think that your background in mass communications is also helpful in that way. Tell us a little bit more about that. 
Absolutely. So when I was growing up, I wanted to be a teacher or a writer, and I really couldn't decide which. And I think that's kind of when you know maybe you're an interdisciplinarian, even as a little girl. Um, I could not decide what I wanted to do. Started off with mass communications and then obviously went straight into my master's in, in education. And I found that that degree in mass communications has been one of the most useful tools in everything that I've done. While I never became anything more than a part-time uh, reporter, I've been able to use those skills in every job I've ever had. So it made me a better communicator as a teacher, made me a better writer as a scholar, uh, it's very helpful because I'm very fast at editing things, and that's a lot of my, my job in grading, right, is to help students, uh, you know, create the best version of the work that they can. So I found it to be a very useful degree, even though maybe it wasn't initially what I intended for it to be. That sounds quite interesting, and it's also an area that we share because I also have a bachelor's degree in communications um, with an emphasis in radio and journalism. But at some point I thought, I want to be a sound engineer and do music for movies and TV. And by the time I finished my undergraduate degree uh, and started researching places where I could earn a master's degree and get involved in the field, there were only two graduate programs um, on this side of the world, I will say, because one was in Canada, wow. <laughs> that I could do that. And I thought, hmm, there might be another way for me to do this. Now, mind you, I've also had another major in two minors. So, and one would think that these combination of things wouldn't go together at all. But that's the beauty of interdisciplinary studies, that you can conceptualize the combinations of different kinds of foci or topics any way that suits your particular needs or aspirations or desires. So in thinking about being an interdisciplinary scholar, tell us a little bit more about your research. Sure. Um, well, as an interdisciplinarian, I study a lot of different things. That's why it kind of all fits into this, this changing kind of paradigms. Uh, as of recent, uh, one of the things I'm most excited about is some research I've been doing on what I'm calling relational humanity. Mm -hmm. um, and I think COVID brought this out for everyone was the need to really relate to each other on a human to human level. Mm -hmm. And that's not um, exclusive to just student to student or professor to professor, friend mm -hmm. to friend, family to family. But it was very important for my students to have that faculty student relational humanity mm -hmm. moment. Uh, and I teach fully online. Um, so that's always that can be a little bit of a challenge. Uh, but I met with every single one of my capstone students either on the phone, on a Zoom call, um, before the pandemic, um, mm -hmm. in my office or after, well, mm -hmm. after-ish. Um, and so I've been able to meet with my students one-on-one, -on -one, and that is that opportunity to connect with them on a human level. And so it, during COVID, I didn't just jump into talking about their project, but I always started with a question, as a human being in the middle of a pandemic, mm -hmm. how are you doing? And it would stop them kind of in their tracks, and they would take a moment and they would think, and I purposely didn't um, quickly say something or try to move the conversation along, mm -hmm. but I waited for them. Mm -hmm. And I had students tell me about some of the ways they were struggling. A lot of our students got laid off in the mm -hmm. hospitality industry here. Um, I had a student who told me about a house she had just built with her husband. She was so excited. She worked on Disney Cruise Line, and so did her husband. Um, but they had both obviously not been able to have employment for a little while. Mm -hmm. So they built this house, and they were renting out this brand new house and living with his parents mm -hmm. until their jobs were going to come back. And mm -hmm. somebody else told me about heartbreaking about the death of her father from mm -hmm. COVID. And um, as we spoke on Zoom, 
Zoom, there was a picture of him um, mm -hmm. hanging behind her and she was talking about her son and the interactions and it just deepened our relationships mm -hmm. um, and helped me see them as, as human beings mm -hmm. and not just a name on the other side of a screen. And so I've been doing a little bit of research on that, pulling some comments um, from student survey feedback, things like that, and kind of looking at the difference that that made and deepening the relationships of the students. And I've been able to find that we're seeing a significant difference in their investment in the class, not just um, their investment is in who they are as a person, but knowing that we care. Another area I've been doing some research on is disability as diversity. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that can be a group uh, that we don't think of when we're talking sure. about uh, diverse needs of different people. Mm -hmm. And so that obviously that ties into mm -hmm. some classes I'm teaching and things like that. So we, I research a lot with that. I also do a lot of research with some colleagues from NAU mm -hmm. um, on, in presenting on that topic. And then another one, we do a lot of things um, in the field of education. I, I present and publish a lot with my husband in that area, who's also a scholar. So um, one of the things we're most proud of is a chapter we wrote on school safety. Mm. in um, a handbook for educational leadership, mm -hmm. really kind of talking about, and it, it all kind of ties together, but we're talking about not just the need for, you know, obviously school safety measures mm -hmm. and, and hardening, but also the softening uh, mm -hmm. measures that are needed and the need to have counselors in schools. Uh, one of my personal philosophies is that if in middle school, everybody had the opportunity to meet with a counselor, I mean, middle school is hard. Being an adolescent is hard. Being an adolescent during COVID is hard. Um, but if everybody, if we had enough counselors for people to actually get counseling mm -hmm. in schools, particularly in middle school, I think we would catch a lot more and do a lot more preventative work. Sure. And then also meet a lot of the other needs that were sometimes so wrapped up in all the school safety stuff, we forget about the um, trending towards suicide and mm -hmm. the things that are happening with adolescents. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of one of the other things that's very powerful, uh, kind of hard to work on because it makes me want to wrap my children in bubble wrap. Um, but the, the, the school safety thing. So like I said, interdisciplinary, there's a lot of different things that we're kind of working on, but they all kind of tie into our humanness, I would say, um, is, is really the focus of my research. And, and that's fascinating work, particularly as we think about all the ways in which we can not, we can not be able to see disability, mm -hmm. particularly in the context of education, because um, we know that there are disabilities that are not visible yes. to individuals, um, and some of those disabilities are as a result of some trauma that young people have suffered. And so imagine, you know, on the recovery side of a, of a pandemic, all the trauma that some students had experienced, either losing loved ones or friends, or even um, having to be home 24 hours a day, seven days a week in a relationship that might have been toxic, mm -hmm. as opposed to having school as a safe space Absolutely. for some of these young people. And even when we think about educators and and even in thinking about my, my own faculty, mm -hmm. I was really concerned about faculty and staff who, you know, had a myriad of things to be concerned about in the midst of the pandemic, in addition to caring for their own students um, in, in combination to that. And so I think it's really fascinating that there's now an opportunity to examine this work um, and to note not only the visible disabilities that we have to account for and the ways in which we're doing some teaching that impacts on that. So live captioning yes. and PowerPoints and all of those things that were considered cutting edge prior to the pandemic that are now part of our sort of everyday lived experiences that we know that if we're live streaming something, we have to have uh, captioning available. Mm -hmm. Whereas before it was 
a nice to have, right? Um, and so I think all of those things are really changing the way we're engaging in our everyday teaching experiences. I think everyone advanced, even just technologically, and then with universal design, exponentially, um, much more quickly than we would have. Yeah, there were people who couldn't even use their cell phones prior to the pandemic, right? Um, And so when we think about all the ways in which teaching has changed, um, particularly as we learned new skills or enhanced technologies in in the midst of a, a worldwide pandemic, Let's talk a little bit about your teaching and what you're currently teaching and how some of those things are now being reflected in your own teaching. Absolutely. So right now I'm teaching a capstone class for integrative general studies students, which I love teaching. I'm also teaching and piloting the Embracing Disability Diversity class, Mm -hmm. which I'm just absolutely loving. Mm -hmm. Uh, My students in there are amazing and it's so interesting. Uh, kind of the things that they're bringing to the table as well. So we're, mm-hmm. bo- we're both learning in that process. And then traditionally, I also teach a class on uh, contemporary leadership practices. Excellent. So um, you're currently teaching um, all online classes, and we know that for a while, everyone was teaching yes. all online classes. But given where we are now and the fact that there's a new normal, that we're experiencing where people could opt to teach online, hybrid, face-to-face, or a combination of those things. Thinking about those things, um, how do you uh, think um, this new world of online teaching has impacted on the way you're engaging with your students? I think it brought out um, the desire to put more human um, and more of me uh, as a human being and more of my students as a human being into the classes. So teaching fully online, it's really about the design of the class Mm -hmm. and making sure that you're thinking about how students are going to approach it. So one of my philosophies has always been, and this kind of is backed up in all of the literature and educational technology, is that the students should spend their time you know, with the material, mastering the material and not trying to figure out, guess where the professor stuck that file. Um, And so I think that's one of the key pieces. CDL here at UCF, Mm -hmm. um, Center for Distributed Learning, does a fantastic job in kind of giving professors the skills that they need uh, to make sure that they're designing something online. But when you're teaching online, it's really about connecting with each student on an individual level, Mm -hmm. seeing if they are mastering the material. And then I would say how I change to answer your question would be more making sure that I'm also connecting with them on a human level, not just mm-hmm. making sure that they're mastering the content and doing that more purposefully and then mm-hmm. allowing uh, more of myself um, into the class. And so I spend more time than I think that I did prior to the pandemic um, connecting with students, whether it's in comments or talking about things we might have in common or um, just having follow-up emails. I've been having a wonderful email chain with one of my students in Embracing Disability Diversity. And uh, it's been really interesting kind of going back and forth and, and she, she feels very comfortable to ask questions of mm-hmm. things that she they aren't necessarily they're semi-related to the material but mm-hmm. you can see she's thinking and mm-hmm. she sees that I love having that conversation and I think that is something that I, I wouldn't have seen as much prior to the pandemic. Excellent. So we know that you're piloting this new course around um, embracing diversity and, and disability and so it shows that you're an advocate for inclusion and disability. Yes. So why do you think Um, It makes students' academic experiences richer and prepare them for career success. I think in any kind of career, um, everyone is simply not the same. Mm -hmm. And if we think that they are, um, you're not going to be successful as a leader um, in your career or as a person in your your career. And so I think if we lean into the appreciation element of the different things that people bring to the table uh, and we see it as the beautiful thing that it is, 
Um, we can see that everyone's welcome. We can also lean into each other's strengths. Mm -hmm. uh, we did that a lot here as IDS faculty. We look at who's really good at what, and we really are able to kind of lean into that and to really magnify that. Um, so for example, if uh, my students in Embracing Disability Diversity and some of the other classes that are offered here at the university are kind of trained to see any barriers to access uh, without anybody having to point them out or sue to point them out, um, then as they are planning for universal design as a leader in whatever career they pick, mm -hmm. um, it doesn't turn into an issue. Uh, it does, it's not a burden when somebody mm -hmm. comes and says, oh, you know, I'm deaf, I need this um, access. It's like, well, everything's already captioned. We already have... Mm -hmm. um, um, these accommodations here and everything's already built in. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the key is for people to not maybe have to declare their disability unless they want to. Um, and, and being able to have everything accessible to everybody and kind of making it a more beautiful place. And I think training students to see that uh, diversity can be beautiful and appreciating each other's differences, I think, is just going to make the world a better place. I could not agree more. And so I'm going to sort of segue just a little bit and talk about the Bachelor of Integrative General Studies program here in the College of Undergraduate Studies. It is, a, uh, it is our newest program. It is our fastest growing program. It is our most innovative program. Uh, and it is the program that has captured the attention of a lot of our community stakeholders um, in relationship to providing support to our students. In fact, um, I just signed a gift agreement Yay. this morning for oh, yet another scholarship That's for our big students. So um, it, it is really something that people feel um, is going to make the biggest impact on society as a whole to really uh, bring to fruition um, the dreams and aspirations of individuals who started a degree and just didn't get the opportunity for a variety of different reasons to finish that degree. So... In thinking about this particular degree program, what would you say is what makes it most unique? Oh, most unique? I think it meets students where they are. And I think that's kind of the key is we're not expecting students to be something other than who they are and to experience the things that they've experienced thus far. Um, so credit, obviously, it needs to be given to um, Dr. Devin uh, Codwell-Bazada for kind of envisioning and getting that program uh, through curriculum and everything um, that she did. But I would say this program, I love teaching in this program because it's transformational for our mm -hmm. students. So they come in, and I have students that come in after 20 years of, well, I was just trying to do this, and this one class was required on campus, and I had an infant at the time, and I couldn't do it. And so with our students, they're incredibly bright, they're incredibly smart, um, but very often, a lot of times, life happened to them. Mm -hmm. or even even during the pandemic, we had some students that needed to move back home and couldn't do their student teaching. And so they came over and got, they were able to graduate with a bachelor's degree. I have students that are just trying to move into their master's degree and they wanted to do, um, you know, kind of design their own curriculum. Mm -hmm. And they were able to do that um, outside of the interdisciplinary framework to really get what they needed for law school or medical school or whatever it was they were doing next. Um, so I love it because it's so individualized to the students. Mm -hmm. So even though they're taking the same two courses with us, um, their journey in those courses is very, very different. Um, mm -hmm. And we have very, very interesting souls. So I say it meets them where they are, offers the scaffolding they might need to be successful. Mm -hmm. So I have some students coming from uh, maybe a prior psychology background who can write a paper in their sleep. And I have students coming from engineering who haven't written a paper since their general education program. <laughs> um, and the scaffolding is there. And so they all are still accomplishing and, and meeting all of the mastering the goals in the course, but the scaffolding is there for the students that need it as well. Um, and then UCF has a tremendous amount of resources too for students mm -hmm. um, who might need those. So I feel like it really meets every single student wherever they are, which is pretty unique for a program um, to be able to do. 
And, and I would agree again. Um, in fact, um, I've always sort of understood the transformational nature of this program, but it really hit home with me. I want to say it was maybe a year ago. Um, there was a woman that sent me an email and was talking about how grateful she was that she had this opportunity to finish her degree and that she had been trying for 42 years oh to earn her bachelor's degree. Wow. Found out about our program through one of the postcards that we sent out um, and signed up for the program and was just thrilled to be able to finally walk across the stage. And I thought to myself, Wow, this is what we mean by transformational, Absolutely. right? And the fact that someone was willing to be persistent enough yes. to earn their degree, Absolutely. because it's not for want or willingness that many of these students don't all. finish. It's about having access to an opportunity to utilize all the skills that they have to be able to complete the thing that they aspire to do. The persistence that you talk about mm -hmm. is is just amazing. So I had the student during COVID, kind of in the height of it, and um, I open up a Google Voice number so students can text me because mm -hmm. sometimes that's a more accessible way to reach your professor. It doesn't feel as formal because there can be some intimidation there uh, based on prior experience. And this student had one laptop at home that had been issued to his children through the school district. Two of his students were trying, his children, mm -hmm. were trying to do their schoolwork during the day, and then he was staying up late to use that laptop because it was the only one in the house. Mm -hmm. And so we started texting, and I guided him how to download the app so he mm -hmm. could do a lot of it on his mobile phone. Mm -hmm. And then he would text me with any guidance he needed if we needed to modify something so he could do it on his phone. And it was just the persistence that, and the time that he spent trying to figure out how to um, access things and, and apologizing for being late on something because he was prioritizing the education of his children. Mm -hmm. And it was just one of those moments where you're like, this really is a transformational degree. Mm -hmm. um, and then he, he texted me for about a year afterwards and like, oh, I want to, I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking about that. And you could just see a complete mindset shift as mm -hmm. to, I can do all of these things now. I have so many more opportunities and it was really beautiful to see. So one of the things that we know about you, Dr. Edens, is that you deeply believe in the importance of giving back. Absolutely. Um, so how does that guide your teaching and your scholarship? Oh, what a question. Um, so when I was teaching K-12, um, I loved teaching K-12. And my special education students, I was obsessed with them. I actually went back and visited them for the six months after I took the higher education job. Um, but it, I just came down and I was offered this position um, at St. Petersburg College. And I just did the math as to how many people I could impact and how many students I could impact. And if I was impacting pre-service teachers and doing, kind of doing the math there. And so it's always been about how can I make the world around me a better place and kind of leaving um, things in a better situation than when they started. And I think if we all kind of took that mindset, the world might be a happier place. Mm -hmm. um, so, and I think we can all do something, um, to quote uh, Greta Thunberg. Thurber. Yes. Um, and Thurber. so she's, you know, that kind of idea, we can all give back and make things, make the world a better place. Excellent. Um, and so now I'm interested to know um, if we were all sort of having that particular attribute about ourselves, this notion of giving back. Mm -hmm. 
How do you think that would change society? Oh my gosh, I think it would transform society. So I think the two traits that we really need to focus on as a society are compassion Mm -hmm. for one another. And I think we saw some of that after some of the tragic events after Mm -hmm. 9-11 or uh, during the height of the pandemic. I think Mm -hmm. that compassion for others is something that it seems to really ebb and flow in our society. Mm -hmm. And we shouldn't need a tragedy for the compassion to be um, there and just kind of recognizing that not everyone's coming to the same place. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think also empathy is another thing that um, we need to not only embody ourselves, but also really teach um, the next generation. And so I think those two things alone um, in in giving back, I think would really make our society a better place. I think we could have civil conversations. Mm -hmm. Uh, We could disagree respectfully. Mm -hmm. I think we could look at what the true needs of each person in the room are um, Mm -hmm. and make sure that everyone is getting what they need. And I don't think it has to be this divisive thing. I think we could really all be a lot happier too. I don't think we have to be as angry and as um, filled with stress and, and all of those things. If we look around and we can say, how can we make our, our world a better place? Um, and to brag on the department a little bit, I do think that the faculty and IDS do that. And so mm-hmm. it's one of the best departments um, to be in at the, I'm sure they're all great, but the one that I'm in, I love. Um, for the, I agree. <laughs> I, really, but I mean, just the faculty and the staff and the advisors and, and, and the students that work with us, they're just such lovely people. Mm-hmm. And it makes um, the work environment such a better place. And I think it's mm-hmm. kind of this microcosm of what society could be yes. if we went out of our way to care about each other as human beings a little bit more. And, and I think that speaks to the true meaning of equity, to make sure that everyone has what they need. And every person in every microcosm of society needs something slightly different. You know, that equity isn't about pie, where everybody gets an equal piece. It's really about more like a, I don't know. I'd say it's more like a, a pudding where, you know, Some people might get, you know, the crumble. Some people might get more of the fruit. Some people might get more of the custard. You know, I'm the custard girl, right? So, um, and and people being okay with the fact that somebody wants more of the fruit and somebody wants more of the custard and somebody wants more of the crumble, right? And and it doesn't mean that you're getting shortchanged. Right, exactly. We'll just make more pudding if we need it. It's fine. Absolutely. 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 Um, and I'm and I'm glad you caught that reference because after I said it, I thought it's a very British thing for me to say. Right? <laughs> Most people don't know that pudding equates to dessert in the U.S. Right? So that's how we eat it. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so now we're going to get to what I call the speed round version okay. of our conversation. But I'm just going to ask you some general questions so that the viewers and the audience get to know more about who da- Dr. Danielle Edens is. So, what's your favorite color? Purple. Purple. <laughs> Which yes. I'm wearing. Yes, absolutely. Uh, your favorite song? I don't have one favorite song, but I like like 80 songs like Bohemian Rhapsody and Tainted Love. And I train my toddlers and car seats to move their heads to what is love, um, like, <laughs> like in um, Night of the Roxbury. And then uh, more newer stuff, I kind of like anything of Lady Gaga from like the Born This Way mm-hmm. album. I think that just got such a kind of good fast beat. All right. Excellent. Favorite movie? Um, probably anything in the Terminator series. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm pretty I obsessed with it. Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> obsessed with action films. Love Demolition Man and Die Hard and um, all of those. Those are kind of my my home Wi-Fi is called Skynet. Um, and I teach my children to be nice to the AI when we talk to Alexa because you just <laughs> never know. So because you're right, you never know who's <laughs> so true. Which so is true. why I don't have Alexa. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> okay, favorite 
show? Ooh, TV show. Um, I love Grey's Anatomy because I've been watching it longer than I've been married. Um, so that one I probably would say, but I've been watching um, just some action ones. Meredith Grey just left. Uh, I know. I, I can't handle it. Um, and then I've been watching just kind of what my kids want to watch. So we'll watch Mm -hmm. some elementary or we'll watch, um, rescue 911 type shows. And so, um, my boys, we do a lot of things that we would all like to kind of do together or a lot of star Wars things, of course. All right. Excellent. Favorite book. Um, I would say if you're listening to the book, which I do a lot of, um, with audible Trevor Noah's born a crime. I I can't find another audio book that is up to the same standard. It is such a well done uh, recording in the book is just, I would highly recommend. Like if you listen to that, you may not be able to listen to any other audio books, but it's really, really good. I'm too old fashioned. I like to read my books and I love to feel the books. Although I do have some of my books on my iPad just for the sake of right. access. I do both. Which is why right. I have a room yep. full of books. <laughs> I have rooms full of books as well. Absolutely. <laughs> Favorite actor? Probably Arnold. I like Bruce Willis too, but pretty much my action stars are going to be my, my favorites. Favorite what? actress? Ooh, I love Julia Roberts. I think her laugh mm. is just phenomenal. Yes. I just, uh, we watched um, Eat, Pray, Love. Mm. And, and just like, it's phenomenal. You know, it's very well done. Favorite singer? I like Lady Gaga. Mm. To go back to that one. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Favorite author? Um, I, lately I've been reading a book that I really like by Alice Wong. Mm. Um, it's, I, I'm a nerd. It's from my class. It's uh, disability visibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she does a really interesting job of kind of narrating different things from her perspective. And so it's just a collection of true stories of people with disabilities and really kind of getting to hear from them. So I would say as of right now, she's probably my favorite author. Okay. Favorite place to travel. Ooh. Mm. I, I've been doing the cruising thing lately. And so I actually went on a cruise um, over spring break. (laughs) It's amazing. Um, And so I visited, um, so probably any place where I can hold an animal. So last week I held a sloth and a monkey. um, And so I would say that's probably my favorite thing is kind of the things we can do. I love traveling to Italy and Paris because Mm. they have really good food. Um, So those have been some really fun things, but I think it's more about who I'm traveling with and what we're doing Mm. than necessarily the destination. Phenomenal. Um, I've heard that you recently took up a new hobby. You want to tell us about it? Sure. So um, my older son, who actually just graduated high school a semester early. Um, Yes, I know. And so he encouraged me, and we ended up signing up for ceramics class together. And so we've been doing that for about six or nine months now, and my 14-year-old has been seeing some of the things we brought home, and now he has joined us. So we're all doing ceramics now um, together, and it's just one of those things where you kind of create something with your hands. Mm -hmm. And I really love the teacher that we have as well. And so she's been able to kind of push us all in the ways that we needed to be pushed um, to create some really fun phenomenal thing. So I've been able to, um, give my mom the most gorgeous vase, um, that she's put a plant in. And I made a special mug for my father, um, that has like a sailboat on the side. And, um, we made some things for our aquarium. And so it's just been really kind of neat to kind of create something with your hands and to be able to, um, you know, use it in your house and and Mm -hmm. to not have to buy it from somebody else and be like, I made that. Um, and so it's been really neat to kind of be able to do that. Something different. That sounds like fun. It is. It's a lot of fun. So to close out our conversation for today, um, I've been watching uh, a TV show, it's an interview show, 
uh, entitled, if we're being honest, by Laverne Cox, who I love, by the way. She's phenomenal. And one of the things that she asked at the end of all of her interviews is, is there anything that I didn't ask that I should have asked? So I'm going to ask you, is there anything that I didn't ask that I should have asked? That's a, I don't, I don't think so. Um, but I would say, I think one thing that I would ask of anybody who's listening is just thinking about ways that they can make the world a better place. And I think that really kind of taking it on yourself um, as to what you can do for others and how to make um, the world better. And then also to be advocating for what it is that you need. Mm-hmm. I think those are kind of, that would be my, my life advice, if I guess that would be, um, is just trying to make the world a better place. And if we all do that, I do genuinely think that we could end up in a better society. Excellent. Thank you. And thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate your thoughts and an opportunity to celebrate you as one of our faculty here in the College of Undergraduate Studies. And thank you to our audience for sharing with us and joining us, all of our viewers and our listeners. This is Academically Speaking, and I'm Dr. Theodora Bajina Berry. Have a great day.